Doug South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DougSouth.com. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. And now, here your host, Rocky LaFleur. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. No yelling on the butt. Josh Webb. Sorry I had a fight in the middle of your butt. I'm part of And Jake LaTondres. I am bad news. Also starring Rob Crew. I bet this guy's into the woods a hundred bucks. And Bradley Ramsey. Bill Martin inside. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody. Showtime. Welcome to the End of the Line podcast of Rocky LaFleur in the Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. Joining me today, Bill Cooksey, Jeff Foles. Guys, how are y'all? Good, man. How are you doing, Rocky? It may dry out enough this afternoon. I can mow my grass, so it's all good. No kidding. It's, it's doing the same here. The sun's shining, the river's dropping, and yeah, things are getting better. So, yeah. We absolutely now, big deal up here now. You know, before we had no way out but a John boat. Now there's one ferry running. So, uh, so yeah, we're all happy up here. So we at least got one ferry. You got to go a million miles to get to it, but once you get to it, you get to, get to civilization. Yeah. And I've you know, got it, about 400 sandbags load up. After lunch, if anybody wants to come to help, was a good workout. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I drove from Oxford all the way out to north of Oklahoma City, and, and there's no relief anywhere. I, it, it's like that all the way up to good grief, Iowa, and Iowa, down to the northern coast. Iowa. Yeah, northern Iowa. Minnesota's pretty good, but northern Iowa, even all the way down, yeah, it's pretty tough. But yeah, it's real tough. But most of the farmers got their stuff in. Except for the guys down in the bottoms and stuff, and uh, uh, as we was talking earlier, you know that most of these guys down here, it's you know all the flooded fields that we talked about in the first podcast. You know we're going to find out, I guess, because the only thing they're probably going to have is millet, and they air seed a lot of that in up here. You know that you know later on, but you know as we all know, millet doesn't last long. You know first frost it falls over, but uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, but I always said millet was uh, ice cream to ducks, you know. They love it. But, yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, we're, we're going to, I think we're in a whole different ballgame. You know, there's a, even the bottom grounds that's not flooded corn, uh, a lot of that didn't get planted. So the fields that ducks would normally go out to, you know, is not, they're, they're going to have to go a little farther. So, which personally I think is going to make our hunting better on the water down here. You know, I don't know. I, I, I hope so. In 93, it was, you know, I have to say 93 was a real good year for us. And the same thing happened. So we'll see what happens. I sure hope so. I I want everybody to have a good one for a change. Me too. Everybody. I'm, yeah. The better season they have, the more they're going to come in here and need duck calls and everything there is to go with it. Right. So, Absolutely. Yeah, I and love it'd be nice to just have everybody stuff. happy. <laughs> exactly. See them coming in here instead of growling, they're all happy and inviting you to go with them, right? Exactly. Got to have the winner, though. Got to put that oh, in yeah. there. You got to have the cold. 
exactly. You know, you got to have it to get them, get them here and get them there, and, you know, move them and all that. I think that, uh, I, you know, I'm a firm believer that moves them. I just think that they just hang longer. They'll hang to the last minute when they got all the food in the world. You know, there's no reason for them to leave when they can't get to that food and they're going, you know, but, uh, right. when, you know, it gets cold enough to take, if even if it's there, they can't get to it. They're out, you know, and, and no place to roost where, but, uh, man, I know what the feed in there that they might, I do think they're going to leave here earlier. You know, I think they're going to, you know, head that way earlier. I know I'm already ready to go to Arkansas. I can tell you that. So. I think you got, they'll have down south boys everywhere down there. I really believe they're going to have a better, better seminar. I'm going to say overwhelming, and they're not going to. They're just going to pass us by and all that. I'm not saying that at all. You know, I think the the weather will push them quicker. That's all I'm saying. Right. And normal. There will be less food if it's if we have the weather we had last year. There will still be plenty of food up north, but uh, right. Hopefully last year was an anomaly, and we won't see anything quite like that as far as water and warm weather. Exactly. I'm ready to write that off. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know a lot of people are. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, Jeff, last week you had been to court in Canada. Yes, um, sir. Found out that you probably should have fought those charges in court instead of uh, and, and, you know, you, the human nature is, tells you that, man, let's just get all this over with. It was, that was the number one thing. I just, and the number one reason I did was, well, there was two reasons, you know, it was first of all, you just want it over no matter what it is. You just want it all this chaos and stuff's been going on for year and a half, whatever's been going on. You just want it over done and then finally it just monies you out. So it's cheap. It was cheaper not to fight it, you know, and it gets to the point you, they money it to where the point where you can't fight it, you know? So, you know, and I knew no matter how I did this, it was going to cost me, you know, either in fines or in, you know, so, so you kind of weigh the thing out and, and you know, you finally just say, heck, well, let's just get this over. Yeah. Yeah. It's understandable with everything you were going through. There's there's a time you just have to cut your losses and live with it. Right. I just wanted it over and done and move on and go forward. You know, I had no idea what was ahead of me or whatever or behind me. I just wanted I just wanted it behind me, some way. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, in, in but the also whole pro when in the you, process, I mean, you had a patent litigation going on. You had U.S. courts you had to deal with. You had course canada you had to deal with i mean it was a lot and a bad bad divorce you know all that yeah it was all going on so it it was all going on at the same time but the number one thing that was in your mind was i'm going to have to spend some time in prison i'm not just going to go up the road here to the state prison have a tv at the end of my bed i'm going to federal prison and all the rest of this seemed really really minute just get this little stuff out of the way. Let's go ahead, tackle the big deal and get back. You know what I'm saying? And get past this. Everything else seemed little, as big as it was. Any one of those things is enough to devastate you. But it was just, my mindset at the time was just, just my God, let's just get this over. And then I got three or four lawyers telling me, 
dude, if you can't fight this deal down here, you know, they will money you completely out, you know, and, and if you lose, if you lose, they're going to nail you maybe a light one, but they're going to give you a felony, going to lose your gun regardless. You may not go to jail and your fine may be less, but they're going to after your gun then, you know, because they're going to be mad because you didn't plea bargain, you know, and when you start looking, at when lawyers start spitting out statistics in federal court to you of plea bargains and how many times when you did fight them, you, there was loss and all that, and them, them percentages up in the 90s, you lose faith, hope, faith, and everything pretty quick. You just, you just, you know, let's just get the, you know, the less of the worst of the evils and just do this, you know, and get it over. Right. So you make a deal. Let's get, let's get back to the U.S. part of it. Okay. You make a deal U.S.-wise. Mm-hmm. And, and really all that's left is just the formality of you signing those papers. Look, for, yeah. for, everybody, that had, for everybody that hadn't been listening, well, tell us about how that, that deal came about and what it was. Well, it's negotiating. It's, it's no different than, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, to put it in layman terms, like buying a car. You know, if you're, if you, you're a guy that dickers over vehicles or motorcycles or whatever, it's just like doing that. You know, it's the same thing. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, they make you, they tell you what they want. You make them offer back and you go in and somewhere you light in, in between, you know. And finally it come to a point where they want, want, want. And finally I just put my foot down and said, not that I made that choice or they would have done it, but finally I, there's a point comes when you got to say, this is it. This is the most I'm doing other than that. Do what you got to do. I'll fight it. We'll do what we got to do. But this is the most I can do. And so when you agree to the maximum fine, the maximum sentence and all that there, there ain't much they can disagree with, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh, now when I got there, so finally you say, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to get, you're going to, your plea is to this, here's the choices they give you. You fight it, and you're gonna, if you fight this, they're probably going to come at you at a federal, with a federal uh, 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 false, um, my mind went blank. False writing, a false writing deal where we wrote in people's names, you know, that we killed their ducks or whatever. So right. they're going to, that's what they're going to go after, after you for. That's the, and they're going to come up and that could be a misdemeanor, but it's going to be a felony. They're going to make that a felony. And your fine's going to be less and whatever. But who knows? They're going to drag this court date out here, you know, and it ain't going to be cheap, you know. So, or you can keep your gun and you're going to get two misdemeanors. You get two misdemeanors, one for the illegal sale of wildlife, which was, uh, you know, shooting over the limit, you know, and you sold a hunt, and they, they said they killed one over, and that was where the warden was there. You can agree to that, and you get six months for that charge, and then you'll get seven months for the Lacey Act violation for those guys, those undercover wardens who we weren't very good at, but whatever, we weren't undercover. But anyway, the undercover warden's taking the bird across the state line that they said was illegal, that they had shot, you know, their individual limit was over one. So that was the two right there. And they'll give you, they'll give you the club, the false riding ticket, and then you just sell the club and it's over, which we did, you know, the club was sold at this time. So that was that went by the wayside. So you'll get six months on one, seven on the other. And so I'm thinking, okay, well I'm probably to, so what do I got to serve? And I'm thinking, 
Well, everybody I ever talked to, you know, serves about 50, 60% of their sentence if a good time and stuff, you know, and that's state. It's not federal. And they, and they let me know that. Said, you're going to serve 85% of their time. Well, once you get there, you find out it's 87%, but you're going to serve 70. And they're not going to run those, uh, six and seven months together. You're going there six months and then serve your seven right after. I was like, oh my God, 13 months. Yeah. That's it. So hmm. that's your deal. And, the maximum fine of a hundred thousand dollars and i go are you kidding me so you know all right you gotta pay a hundred thousand dollars so at this point you know these fines are up you gotta get this over sometime you gotta pay this stuff you know i don't want to be paying all this rest of my life so that's when i finally thought it over and thought it over. i said you don't have to make your mind up now but like i said before in these earlier podcasts they threw a lot of bones out there earlier and then pull them away you know and um so finally I said, that's it, but this is it. I'm not go. we're not going back and forth no more. I'm not going back and forth. If we do, go fight the thing, you know, whatever. So anyway, that's what we ended up with. But then you got to go in and it's if the judge accepts it or not, you know, that's the next thing. You know, you can plea bargain all you want to, which like they said in federal court, that was one of the percentage. They said like 95% of anybody that goes there has to plea bargain, you know, because they know that 98% of the time they win in federal court. So that's what you're faced with. So I thought, well, and my lawyer told me, the hunting buddy lawyer, I, I don't, may have said this before, but he said, dude, you've been running for 15 years wide open. Go take a vacation. Think it's a vacation. Just get away from it. Get your mind player. But I said, well, that's easy for you to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, we're talking uh, about prison, not the Holiday Inn Express. Yeah, we're not take we're not going to the Caribbean, you know, and hang out on the beach and you know walk on the beach for you know, yeah. So anyway, that's so that's what um, so that's what we agreed to. Then basically the formality of that is you set a court date, we go to court. What, uh, what if you're not court. able? What if, what if you're not able to pay a fine like that, Jeff? The only way I could, I'll be honest with you, the way I did it was is I I sold that. uh, And, and, you know, I want to clear something else up. Everybody thought, oh, he had to sell his duck club. I didn't have to sell it. They didn't take it. I didn't have to sell that. I wasn't the only owner. You know, I had sold it back and forth to my buddy. And what was happening at our place at the time, way before this, I mean, we went, our numbers started going down because there was a big money guy came in and started flooding corn all over the place and the same 30,000 ducks started scattering so our numbers started going down and I started seeing what was happening up there and right now that same club that one year we killed 2,700 some ducks at that same club up there probably didn't kill 100 last year because there's so it's like public hunting almost up there so we saw that writing or I did saw the writing and I had a guy come up there and offer me some money for it one day and he was sitting in a pit with me and Greg and Art Laddyhoff who the owner God bless Art, he's gone now, but the owner's a Bigfoot. In fact, yep. I'm pretty happy I got to tell that story. I got to call in a, a honker right in his face up there, and, and Art killed his last goose right there in my pit. So I got mm. to watch him do that. So, but anyway, he sat there and said, well, I'd like this this, this guy that went hunting with me. He's kind of a high roller, and he said, uh, well, I'd love to own this. You know, I'd love to own this. I said, I just winked at Art, and I said, everything's for sale. You can own it if you want to. Get your wallet out. And he bit right into the deal, and the next thing you know, you know, he's buying it. So at the last minute, he backed out, and there was a guy sitting there had just sold a big farm and wanted to roll it over, you know, the money over. And um, 
and he just banged. He called me up. He said, I want to buy it. If he didn't buy it, I'm going to be in line. So he did. And so it, it all, it all happened perfect at the right time, you know? And I, I mean, I can't hunt up three years anyway. I didn't want to lose it because of coal and all that there, but we had it for sale anyway. So sold that, hey. had the money, you know, we made a profit on it. So that's how I paid it. You know? Jeff, I want to ask you about this real quick. Cause I, I've, I've had messages about it. I don't, I don't know what, what they're about i want i want to talk about clearing the air sure one of the driving forces in immunity was probably your partner at that camp right that um, that, that gave a lot yeah. of information yeah i'm not going i'm not so sure he was i'm, I'm going to put out of 11 of them i'm going to put five of them that was really almost the same you know but yeah yeah he was one of the big ones yeah mm-hmm Did, Y'all had a falling out. I'm just asking mm-hmm. about a dog, right? I'll tell you all about. I'll tell you the whole story. We hunted. Everybody does their flooded corn rye. If you go, if you flew over Missouri, you would see ninety percent of them clubs out there strip row the corn when they combine it and leave strips. And the pits usually left in a strip and all that. Well, my thoughts was after hunting all that for years is. I bought this thing for, and a lot of them does it for farming practices, but I bought this thing to duck hunt and making a duck pond, not a uh, duck lake, you know, for duck hunting, not a farming deal. So I, when you when you do that, you got to, so my idea was I want this thing to look like a pond with a little hole in it. And if it was up to me, there wouldn't be no hole in front of them because they want to go in the corn anyway. So the only problem with not having much of a hole out there, we had a 45 acres in the big hole there. We had 45 acres of flooded corn with a total of about 85 to 100. Um, and with that, you know, and you're running hunters and all this. And so naturally guys want to bring their dog, right? So I want to go hunting. Can sure. I bring my dog? Yep. You can go 75 bucks. Well, I'll pay it. And you're thinking, man. <laughs> so, all right. So we just kept up in the ante because here's what happens. I don't care how good that dog is. I don't care if he just won a field trial champion, all that there. What happens in a field trial? When you go out there, it's a wide open field out there. You see your dog, you blow a whistle, you hand signal him, you do all that, right? He made 300 yards away, you can make a right or left, and that is amazing. I love that. I'm not knocking this at all. But in a flooded cornfield, when the, when the water is 30, 32 inches deep, they got to swim every inch of it. When it's 200 bushel to the acre corn where it's thick and heavy and a lot of leaves on it, good stuff and fertilizer good and all that, it is thick. And when the hole in front of you, is only 20 yards wide. When that duck falls out there, about 40 about 40 yards out in front of you, he's gone. Now tell me, you tell me. I want you both both of these duck hunters. You tell me how are you going to signal that dog? How do you even know where he's at? What he's doing? All, all you can do. It's just like the buck brush. I hunt a lot. All you can do as the dog hits the other side where he's going to disappear is stop him and give him a bite that should carry him downwind of where you expect the bird to be. And then it's up to the dog. That's it. Okay, so if you've got, and, and, and I've been very, very blessed to have some, you know, four or five super good dogs, and they've all hunted this most of their life. When they, they, when they get in, and when they get in that corn, they're lost. Now, on top of everything else, you just had 30,000 ducks roosting in this thing, just got out of there this morning. You know, so you've got scent everywhere. Of course, the dead scent's different. But mm-hmm. now, if that duck is crippled in any way, 
man, they know this corner. That's where they live. They, they know it inside out. They put heads down here, right in between them rows, and they'll go right around and stalk and right in that row. They're smart, and they're headed for bank somewhere. So, and this is big, wide open. So, if you play, and and a lot, and I've been beat up over this, and I, I don't like doing this. It's not what I wanted to do, but there's a reason I did it. We let our dogs break, and the reason we did is when that duck hit the water, they had an eye on it, and there's no Jeff getting out of the pit and lining him up, getting back. By the time that happens, that duck is gone. That dog's halfway forgot what happened. If he's fresh and he goes at that point, we don't have a problem. So we had. 28-foot-long, 11-foot-around tanks that I, I sunk out in the middle of the deal with concrete and beams and everything to hold these things down to water. On the very end of these things down here, I had two metal boxes, big ones, and they were welded onto the, each end where the guides were, where myself or the other guys going to be, so you could run two dogs if you wanted, and I dropped this, and the dog would go down in that box. And that might be one of the hardest places to put a dog, get him go down in a hole like that. He don't like to do it, but once they get it, they're fine. So... And they were big and comfortable and whatever. So it's right there at my reach. I could reach out on my left side and touch this thing. Well, I welded uh, a big hinge on there, a long hinge on there, and I put expanded metal, lightweight expanded metal on top of it. So that dog's under that expanded metal, but he can see. You follow me? And I've got corn stalks laying on top of this. This was the situation. By the time he gets up, and ever when he gets up and you jump up, they mostly break as you come up. Some of them would hear them bands fall, you know, of your call and say kill them and they're and a break gone boom they got the duck all right no problems i ever ever had with that at all well we always tell the hunters watch the dogs whatever this is why this is why we're doing it this may go against everybody but if you'll stop and listen to the story of why we did it there's a reason so I, my partner uh, my buddy at scott geyser gave him two dogs two really really nice dogs <clears throat> and he had pups bred them and had pups so he had this pup and brings up, you know, and that brought some, you know, and get the, and took the pup to a guy named Dennis Taylor. Dennis Taylor ran um, all the dog training at Nilo Farms there in, in uh, God, or Brighton, Illinois, forever. Now, if you guys don't know what uh, Nilo Farm is, it's Olin, O-L-I-N, spelled backwards, which is who manufactures Winchester shells. John Olin is the man who built this. This was his place that he had he was big remember king everybody remember king buck that's where king buck come from nile mm -hmm. farms that's where he come from okay so they were if you look the history of all that up they trained dogs for years and years a major dog training thing and and it's a released duck and pheasant deal and they've had calling contests and all kinds it's a super nice place trap shooting area whatever this is a super nice place well dennis ran that for years he worked under the first guys that ran it and all that and, and he's been there for years so dennis my dog trainer at the time until he retired well dennis was an old school dog trainer you know and and uh i mean he's he's pretty rough on him so i anyway i told um uh but when he could dog come out of there he was right so <clears throat> we told him the situation he grew up hunting here he got it he understood what we were doing he goes i don't like it when you get your dog, he's not going to be breaking. He's going to, you know, and that's the way, what we told him the situation. So Dennis trained this pup for my partner, Denny. So Denny, and Denny takes the dog. He keeps him at his shop. He don't even feed the dog himself. He don't do anything with the dog. I mean, he needed trained after the dog was trained. Most people do. So yeah. He was a guy that just had a lot of money, took the dog here, and he just wants a perfect dog when he goes hunting. You know, I might not know how to run him, but Foyles will, or my boy will, or somebody will, you know. So, 
he comes to Canada. And Denny, his son, uh, I don't know if any of you heard of John Fabig. He's a super good friend of mine. He owns Fabig Caterpillar, about the second largest Caterpillar dealer in the world. And they're here in St. Louis. Anyway, John's a big, big duck hunter, great guy. So they, they flew their private jet to uh, Alberta to come hunting with us. We got the dogs. The dogs run around on a plane like it's crazy, whatever. So anyway, he brings this young dog. And so we got up there. His name was Junior. So it's a black dog. So I've got two dogs up there. And as I might have talked earlier about, you'll wear two dogs out in 50 days up there. They're skin and bones up there. It's ridiculous. But, I mean, when you're killing, you know, five guys killing 40 ducks in the morning you're killing that many geese after afternoon or vice versa you know it's a lot of birds for one dog and so anyway so he brings junior and junior's doing real good and he said uh when he went to leave he said do me a favor once you keep junior up here with you and you'll get him used to hunting because this dog he didn't know anything about it you know i mean you can have a field trial dog if he ain't never hunted it takes a while you know to get him onto the birds so he said why don't you do that so it's okay and he said uh so the way I set up in a field situation, I put a mud hut or whatever back about 25, 30 yards behind, upwind of me, behind me. And uh, that dog, of course, I've got a shot collar on him. And if he breaks there, if he breaks back there, by the time it's over with, he's, he ain't made it to the decoys yet. You follow what I'm saying? So anyway, that, this is the way we have dogs trained. So if you want to see this dog, he was on uh, that Fall Skies 5, the very first hunt on there. Black dog, and he did real good. So... When we get back home, he takes Junior back, and he brings Junior up hunting one day, and he goes, Foles, why don't you just keep this dog up there hunting with you every day? And I've got two dogs of my own, and by the time I get back home, I'm ready to hunt mine every day, you know, because it's not like you're killing 40 a day, you know. So, all right, I'll take him. And so, anyway, I take the dog. So I invite a part of our deal with the trainer was, you train the dogs, but during hunting season, you got to come up here once a week to go hunting with us, and tune these dogs up so he's not he's gonna jump at the chance of that to go because we're killing him you know so dennis comes up good duck hunter so dennis comes up and it was just and uh, one day and it was a nice day and i took junior took the pup along because i wanted him denny said denny he's coming up i want him to run my pup all right run your pup okay so i get on my left end of the pit next to me was uh brian reniger running a camera Next to him was uh, 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 Dennis Taylor. He's a big guy, you know, he's a, he's a big, tall guy. Mm-hmm. And Dennis is there running a dog. And on the other side is big Sean Hammock with a camera. It was us four in there. This is about... That's some beef in that pit. You've got some major beef in this pit. <laughs> Believe me, they ate a, a big breakfast and all that. So so we're trying... And, 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 and Bill, I know you understand this. When you get a day like that where it's just a hand, you can control this. I got two camera situations. I knew the wind was perfect. Everything was right. Sun shines mm-hmm. out. It's 30, 32 degree. You know what I'm saying? It's the day to get some... It's the day I, to I get, wanted to get some, stuff. I wanted to get me and Dennis... Talk about the dog training, talk about the dog and shooting and all this, and talk about the whole situation. So, anyway, and get some pretty stuff. So, we go, and uh, everything's going good, you know. And so, all of a sudden, uh, now you remember this dog is in this, underneath this banded metal on the left-hand side over here. And they mm-hmm. use, like I said, they usually break whenever you come up with a gun, or most of the time when you say kill them up, they come. Kill dog there, and okay, so that, we killed four or five ducks really good. We're all laughing all this. On the left-hand side, on my side over here, there's a mallard drake comes one. Just a beautiful drake, sunshine on him, everything. And I told them guys, I said, look, put both your cameras on him. When he comes around, 
when he gets on this left corner over here, now that wasn't across the dog box. It was, it was probably three foot in front of that. As he gets right there, when he, when he gets to the top of the tossel, I'm going to shoot him right through that tossel so you see the corn blowing up, the duck blowing up, and you know what I'm saying? So it makes yeah. it like in slow motion, it's make this unbelievable deal. All I got to do now is concentrate and make this shot. So, and now, on the other hand of this, this was in November of 2007, and my dad had just died at the Duck, duck uh, Club five days before this. So I'm still kind of shook up. So, anyway, we're down there. All of a sudden, I hear you ready, boys, you ready. And I'll cut, and they, they're on him good and everything. I, I just pulled up, and just I'm concentrated on a duck and squeeze the trigger, and I just seen that my gun barrel block out as I did. And it was a dog. Jumped right in front of me. Right across the top of a dog's back, and I just fell in the pit. At the time, I fell in the pit. I can't believe this happened. My dad just died. This is happened. Shot the dog, and I hear them all, you know. And the dog goes and gets the freaking duck. He comes out. It was right there. He goes and comes back, and he's back, and Dennis is going. And they're going, oh, my God, what do you want, to, you want us to shoot him? You want us to kill you know, you know, finish him off? Or what do you want us to do get him out of his misery? And Dennis is oh. going, no, no, no. He's just shot across his back. It was so close. You know, two, three foot away. Yeah. And then the end of the barrel actually was a foot away. And that, you know, in the back of a dog's back, you got those little humps on there, you know, when you pet mm-hmm. them, you know, on their, on their, on their backbone. It yep. blew one of those out is what it did. It took one of those out right across its back. Of course, the dog bleeding bad and everything, you know, and I said, get him. So I get on the phone to the vet in Pittsfield, which was mm, 14 miles away. I said, throw him in the back of that six-wheeler. Get him up there, drive 100 mile an hour, do what you got to do. I told them two boys, so drop it, cameras, everything, just go. So they did. And Dennis was like, oh my God. You know, he, of course, you can imagine, we're shook up. So this yeah. is not even my dog. And, uh, and Dennis has got to call me down, dude, it's an accident. You couldn't have, you know, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I'm just, you know, I'm a wreck. So take the dog up there. I rushed through the vet. He said, Jeff, go out to your dog pen at the shop, which my shop is a mile and a half away from the vet. He said, go go bring one of your dogs down here in case we need a blood transfusion. I go, a black one or a yellow one? I had, he goes, it don't matter. I'm going to laugh. We got to test the blood type. <laughs> it's the same. Just bring one down in case we got to have it. So I said, all right, whatever. So I went and grabbed one of my dogs and brought them down there. And uh, they worked on him, worked on him. And I called Denny to tell him. But I didn't want to tell him until I knew, you know. But the vet came out and said, that comes out and says, uh, hey, Jeff, he said, uh, I think he's going to make it. We just took, he's going to lose that hump on there nationally, but it just took us out. We got him all sewed up. I think it'd be, you know, we're just going to leave him here for about four, five, six days, and he's going to be fine. Okay? So, mm-hmm. cool. So I just went and seen the dog. You can't tell the dog had been shot. He just had a big old patch on the back, you know, where they patched him up, you know, and he sewed us back in. I said, you do a blood transfusion? No, he didn't lose that much. We're good. And so, all right, so take your dog home, go on, you know. And he said, just tell your buddy. So I said, you, and so I asked, call my buddy up, tell him. He goes, hey, so is he going to be okay? So that's what the vet said. You want to talk to him? He said, no, no, whatever he said. And he said, hey, dude, his exact words to me was that we know this going in. We let him break for that corn deal, and we knew this going in. This could happen sometime. You know, we talked about this. But, you know, we just watched it and whatever. I said, I couldn't help it. Then he jumped from it. All right, so he's good to quit worrying about. I go home, shook up over this deal. About 9.30 that night, I get a phone call. It's from 
the vet's son calls me up and he goes, I got bad news. I go, what? He goes, Junior's, I will come back here and check on Junior's dead. I go, we need he's dead. Oh, man. He's dead. So I called Dad in. He said, the only thing he can figure is, he just, you know, he died from, he went into shock from the deal. Heart attack went into shock from the deal. I said, oh, my God. And he said, well, well no. you want us to call the guy? I said, no, I'll call him, but I'm not going to call him at night. I'll call him first thing in the morning. So, First thing in the morning, I get a call to Danny, you know, which he ne- I mean, he's home, but he never answers the phone. And uh, so I called his boy, Jason, who picks him up for work every day. And I said, Jason, that's what happened. He goes, that's all right, man, whatever. I'll tell dad. It's all good. So his dad, you know, his dad calls me and all that. So we got talking about this whole situation afterwards. And he said, dude, you know, it's just, you know, it happens. We knew it was going to happen. Let's just find me. Let's, let's find another dog. Okay. So I put my buddy, Scott Geiger, said, hey, man, try to find a dog. So. I guess in the me in the meantime of all this here happening, there's there's a lot behind this. There was only getting a lot of friction between Denny and I over this club because and it was over guides and it was over, uh, you know, mainly because of guides. And and so what I did was the guides would come down and work. They would come down there and work, and they would work and you know all you know what it takes to prep something like that, you know. Yeah. And uh, all the pits and all the stuff, it's a big deal. So they'd come down weekends and weeks before that, and they guided and we paid them you know, the guy. And then they got tips or whatever. And he's in a big deal. Well, I'm telling you what, next year he says, I got Mexicans working for me and I'm going to hire a bunch of Mexicans come down here and brush these blinds and do all this. And I ain't dealing with them. I ain't dealing with them. And they come down here and they ought to be, you know, we ain't no reason we should be paying them. Blah, 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 blah. You know? And I said, dude, you do what you want to, but I'm telling you what, you send all your Mexicans all you want to, but I'm taking these guys and that's who's doing it. I ain't dealing with this. So it was a big argument. Then it got in an argument over the dog. And Danny got an argument over Dennis Taylor coming, getting a free, why is he getting a free hunt? We got to pay him. I bet you're getting your hunts, your, your dog trained for free. I said, yeah, I get my dog trained for free because I put him on video and people bring their dogs to him like you and everybody else. Yeah, that's how I get mine for free. And so I said, I do him a favor. Well, you're trading out for hunts. I am not trading for hunts. You're the one who made that deal. You know, he got into this big screaming match. So it, one day, I'm headed out there. It was one of those end of November, 1st, December days. It's snow's blowing, wind's blowing 20 mile an hour, snow's blowing, cloudy. It is the day. You know what I'm saying? You couldn't, this is the day you want. There's so many ducks that's ridiculous flying around there. I'm going out there. He calls me. And I called him and I said, You need to leave work and get up here. Doesn't matter what time, you'll be done in 10 minutes. Need to get up. I can't. Well, at the time, he's having problems with boys, and they were doing the construction. He was having to stay in work, so he was frustrated. He couldn't get up there. And so he wondered, who else up there hunting? So I told him, I said, well, Dennis is coming a little bit, you know, I'm bringing his son-in-law. And I said, I'm glad they are. We use our goes. He didn't charge. I said, I'm not charging the man. He's working with the dog. Well, I ain't got no dog for him to work with now. He's supposed to be finding me a dog. And that's got this big argument. I'm in waist-deep water freezing watching ducks light in this corn all the way around me and we're screaming and hollering you're going to get me a dog and that's a ten thousand dollar dog and you're going to do this and blah 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 blah. finally at the end i said look one of us is gone i'm either going to buy you out or you buy me out i ain't dealing with this this is no fun no more and at that that last thing he said to me was you ain't got two nickels rubbed together because i'll buy you out blah blah well at the end of the story it almost went to arbitration and arguing and stuff like that and i ended up um I ended up uh, uh, buying him out, and I didn't even sit in on the uh, paperwork at the deal. I walked in, signed the paper, and walked right back out. He was sitting at the table, and I've never talked to a man since. So, 
now you, you've got that whole story, and now you, you can know, see that, the frustrate, frustrated other hunt, other owner here. Well, you know, all Well, the next that, day, before you go hey, on the I next wanna, day, all that free yeah. stuff I gave him, they, was, his kid was selling it on Facebook and all this stuff the next day. Everything I give him. You know. Yeah. Jeff, there's so much that, yes, y'all did have a falling out. Yes, mm-hmm. um, the dog was a part of the story. But, you know, people run with what they want to run with, and they stretch mm-hmm. it as far mm-hmm. as they can. So I thought it oh, was I'm important glad did. to I, ask I, you I, about I, that. I, I, you know, I didn't put it into part of that story, and I, I actually it's, it's been – that was in 2007, you know. So, you know, it's been, you know, 13, 15, whatever it's been ago. So – just really not in, you know, I mean, it was not the first thing on your mind, you know, and it ended up being an argument over it, you know, and, 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 and oh, and here's the other part, well, here's the other part, let's throw this little deal in there before, because this is another part of the story. So, the vet sends the bill to my shop for $500, okay, after the fact. He sends a bill to my shop for $500. Denny has an accountant, okay? His accountant isn't a duck hunter. He's a construction accountant and an accountant, okay? So my daughter, Lisa, was my accountant. She works at accounting deal now. She ran the shop, and that's what So all the bills went back and forth. So when the club guys come in and they paid for a hunt, we took care of it in the shop, and everything she did went to stand their guy, their accountant. You know what I'm saying? So everybody knew the bills, everything with the club. We were 50-50. But we just took care of it up there, you know, and then Stan Rashul Denny, and, you know, so we're all, all on the same page. So when that bill comes in, now my daughter, sorry, she ain't involved in this whole thing. What do you think she did with the bill? She sends it to Stan or emails it over or does whatever, the bill for the dog. Well, he calls back and says, Lisa, do you really want us to pay this bill? She goes, well, let me call Dad. I don't know what the deal is. And God already said, I'm paying for it. I told the vet, I'm paying for it. That's why he sent it to me instead of him because they asked about right. the billing. So I just said, no, 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 no. Pay the bill. Go down there. And I sent him a check. Right, call him, send him a check right now. Do whatever, go down there and pay him. Do whatever you got to do. So we paid the $500 bill. Now, with all the other stuff, well, Foils even sent me the bill, you know. That's how the bill got sent to him. So, so that all got misconstrued, too, between him telling, yeah, fool sent me the bill, shot my dog and sends me the bill, and blah, 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 you know. And that was, all this was over, mad over the club, you know. Bill, where everything that could go wrong did go wrong. There Pretty were a much. lot of bad, there were raw feelings all over the place. People were finding mm-hmm. reasons to justify whatever their feelings were. I mean, it just, it's a case study in human nature. But yeah, I, I, so, as much as I knew about it, I didn't realize the dog. I thought he died immediately that day. Um, he died the next time. day. No, he died the next day. No, he didn't die. He wouldn't retrieve that duck. He yeah, when you said that, that duck, duck. he was he was sitting when I saw him. When I I went straight down the when it happened, I knew what happened. I went straight down the the, the pit, sitting on the bench. My dad had just you know five days before died there. This just happened. I am a wreck. You know, I'm just a wreck, and and I'm listening to what they're saying and yelling, and I'm, when I get up, he's sitting up, he's sitting right there in front of the pit, in front of Dennis, sitting, just like he brings a duck in, he was sitting there, you know? Wow. So, no, this is not like I shot his head off, I shot a hole through his heart, none of that. That ain't what happened. 
Yeah, yeah, so the end result is the same, but it wasn't that, you know. I think the thing that we find out about a lot of these uh, federal cases, and, and, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but it is for the feds to find motivated people uh, like him to talk. Well, sure, they know. They know that, you know, he's frustrated. He's aggravated. Oh, well, Foils and, Foils and Marshy split up, and then Foils bought it from him and sold the fourth of it off. So wonder what happened there. Well, I heard there was some bad blood. Well, let's go check this out. Perfect. We got a perfect witness here. Yeah, So exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, think, I will guarantee, because, because I will guarantee you this. I will guarantee you this. I hope he listens to all this. I bet you'd tell you the same thing today. I guarantee you this. If he wasn't mad, frustrated, aggravated, all the above over the sale of the club and all this here, and it was back like it was, you know, at the beginning, they couldn't have pried his mouth open about anything. Right. So when they find a guy like this, well, here's the deal, Danny. We're really not after you. You're, you're, you know, you're a, uh, you know, a very wealthy man down here. You know, you live in the best places down here. You're well to do down here. Have been for years. You got a great family. You know, they, you know, you got lots of money. You got all this here. You got a big construction company. All. You really want all this stuff here? Now we're we're not after you. We're after foils. So you tell us what happened, and we'll give you total immunity, but we're writing out the statement, and you sign it, and it all goes bye-bye for you. So in a nutshell, that's basically what it is. Well, the thing is, Jeff, you know, when when your best friends, partners in a club, you're looking at each other in the pit, you know, nothing you, – you're not thinking about the future. Uh, man, you, we could be not like each other very much five years mm-hmm. from now. I could be in trouble with the feds. You, you know, don't think about that. So what? We shot one over the limit today. You know, we we found a cripple on the way back. You don't think about, hey, this guy's going to turn turn me over to the feds. You know, no, five years because from now this shooting is, a cripple. Find, you know, no, shooting one over the limit. This is a guy also and uh I, I mean at the time we were like best of friends you know funny we laughed we went places together we had a blast you know we would laugh at stuff and all that i mean i miss that friendship i really do you know as bad as all this is and you know i miss what we used to have but before that the way i met this guy uh he came up to heartland waterfowl years ago and hunted with me paid for a hunt and go and the reason he did is the, this club that Hartland bought used to be owned by a big construction guy in St. Louis named Henry Banger. And you ask anybody in this whole area, Henry Banger up there, they'll tell you how many ducks was on his farm and all that. He had the place to go hunt, you know, but nobody got to hunt there. You just got to drive by and watch the thousands and thousands of ducks up there. And I hunted right out from it and seeing distance from it, you know, and I just got the off falls off of it. You know, I was in the bleachers, you know, killing ducks off of this place. And Denny was work construction for Henry Banger. So he used to get to go up there a lot. You know, then he became a superintendent for him, and then this guy's boy, this guy's boy, young Henry and him were friends and worked the deal, you know, and so whatever. So 
once we got together and all that, you know, we got talking about the deal and about how they dumped corn and how they did this. And so, so now you go back and now I know a lot more about Denny. I ain't going to bring up a lot of other stuff, you know, and with all that in the back of your mind, it's not just your best buddy walking with you. It's somebody, you know, has already been and done the worst, you know? So, you know, so you're not, no, you're not, you know, thinking about that. Not when you got this, you know. Close friends, best friends, can sometimes just drift apart and it's no big deal. But exactly. once, exactly. once that happens a lot. involved, it's mm-hmm. a lot like a marriage. You know, everything's it great, is. everything's great, everything's great. When everything isn't abortion. great again, it can get awfully ugly before yeah. it ends. Period. That's just yeah. most people have experienced not to the extent you did with, with the authorities, but you know, most people I think have had things happen in their life, they can probably envision that scenario. Right, right. So with, uh, you know, with all this, you know, and and the frustration of it all and all that, and, and there, was, there was the other part of this was, is, you know, we went into partnerships and this. I said, look, the only way I can pay for this, I got to run hunters. And he was okay with that. He'd get where he didn't like the hunters and didn't want the hunters and all this here. You know, I always remember one of his statements. He goes, I can't wait when these high rolling hunters come in there. And I just peel out 300 bucks and just throw it to him and said, here, here's your money back. Get out of here. You know, I mean, that was the attitude he had. He didn't want to hunt with them. He would not go. If I had to guide some, he ain't going with me there. He's, you know, they're going somewhere else. He didn't want to deal with them. You know, he'd have fun with them in the clubhouse and that, but he just didn't want to deal with them. You know? So here it was. And the bottom line of it is my guides didn't like him. And they'd laugh at his jokes and whatever because he was half owner. But most of them guys didn't like us. Here it was a scenario. You know, I mean, Bill, you're well known. I was sponsored by Avery or Final Approach or mm-hmm. Bigfoot, whoever. I never bought a decoy. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I, trader load of them come in and you and you know that was the sponsorship. You know, all the right. so I supplied all the decoys, all the weights, all the stuff. You know. And my guys cut all the corn. I put all the pet ends, all the construction work that was done on that. You know, I coordinated all that and did it. And you know and did all that stuff because he was busy doing his thing, you know, and this was, he knew this right off the bat, you know, I knew sure. this, you know, but when he, he would show up on opening day, his son would be driving him. He'd be in a brand new Denali with the running boards come out of it with a $25 cigar, laughing, joking, making all kind of jokes, you know, and pop out the brand new hunting outfit and all on there. And he's, Hey boys, let's go kill him. You know, and he may dance around the music or something. Just hilarious, you know, and then mm-hmm. at the end of the season, at the end of the day, his boy would clean ducks once in a while. Most of the day, the ducks got, you know, here's the ducks. The boy would tag them, throw them in a deal, and we're like, come on, Jason, we gotta go. And out they go, and we cleaned the ducks and did whatever, you know. And, and you, you follow this is, you know, yeah. And it would have been different if he was the money man. Totally, we were fifty fifty. So that wasn't the case. So you know, but I liked him. I had a lot of fun with him. And it was just enjoyable. And and if I would have if I would have complained about this, he did just threw thousand dollars on a deal and said, "Here, here's for your time and trouble." Or something. You know, I mean, so, so 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 I'm not digging at him for this, but this is the scenario we're in. Right. And I I want to back up real quick uh, and say something about the dog because I you and I talked about this when you were working with Avery because you know watching on uh-huh. video I said something about the breaking dogs and. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get your theory on that, and there's no way either one of us can prove the other right or wrong because right, you know, right. because you'd have to have the same dog do it the same way with the same experience, and obviously that's impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, m- my personal theory in that scenario is 
a dog that is sitting still and focusing on falling birds or on cripples gliding down will mark them better than a dog that's running. So, and that's just for people out there. If if they're letting their dog break, feeling they're going to get there first, there are a lot of and, and that I learned that from other some top-notch pro trainers and people who have you know tons of experience with a lot of different dogs. So I've, I've always subscribed to that theory, and I get the other theories out there as well. But but this, you know, obviously a dog breaking and this awful thing happening, which no one wants that to happen. That's just you know, it, it's a nightmare. And a and you, most of the dogs that get shot from a pit, people think are steady. You know, that's uh-huh. the dog right. that, that, uh, that if you know they're breaking, then usually uh-huh. it's not as big an issue. But, it, you know, when you think a dog's steady and he breaks that one time, that's when, it, you know, I've had some times when I've worked, had my gun barrel and it, it was that split second or I would have been uh-huh. in the same boat on a uh-huh. dog that was steady. Uh, so that's another thing I want to say. Don't trust the dog being steady just because. Yeah, he has the world's so worst one. I think is with that. What just you know, not to interrupt you, but right where you're at, I want to stop right there because one of the things I see, people got to remember that's an animal. It's not a human. It's mm-hmm. an animal. He could do anything at any time. You know, he could short circuit. Yeah, he might be the best thing in the world, and he's human to you and all that, but. The guys that put them dogs inside the layout blind, to me, is the most dangerous thing ever. That dog could get excited. Anything could happen. Come up over your back, knock that gun down, and you could shoot the guy next to you. You know, right. I, I cringe when I see that. You know, it is mm-hmm. that, to me that's the worst scenario we have in the hunting industry. Is, is guys do? I get it. All oh, my dog wants to be in here with me and all this here. I just don't. I absolutely don't. don't you know, don't agree with that. You know, to me. That dog's got to be hid, whatever. He's a, he, a, dog, a dog looks like a coyote. It's a critter to ducks and geese and whatever. You know, it's a threat to them. It's a predator to You know, it's, that's mm-hmm. their worst deals, coyotes and whatever, you know. So to me, you know, I hide the dog, get him away from me, do whatever I got to do. But but going back to this situation, where is it? Do you, I mean, if anybody thinks that what I wanted, I did this as a, for a reason, you know. That dog, right. like you said, like you said, that dog can mark that, whatever. At this in this situation, by the time that duck goes down, by the time he breaks, that duck's almost to the corner where it's going to fall. Follow what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It ain't yeah. like he can see it hitting the ground out there 40 yards out, or especially right. if it's crippled. And yeah. by the time he gets there, one little stroke of breath in that, and that duck ain't sitting in a circle. He's way, unless he's stone dead, sure. he's, you know, he's gone, and that's the reason. You know, no, I, I, I understand. Uh, you, know, it's, you know, it wasn't that I like this water. My dog here right now, he set, he sets in the blind half time. If it's in the current river and I don't want to send him, we don't even send it. You know, he's just steady as he can be or whatever. Now, my dog, most of the guys know hawk or cane or whatever. They were they were steady as a rock anytime he wanted to be. And I was a trainer's worst nightmare when we went to this corn deal because when we get done, I'd have him to get him back to where he's steady. You know, so so there's the. Uh, and a lot of times when I'd let Hawk break, a lot of them seen him break from, you know, in dry fields. Well, I'd let him do that. He'd be behind us, like I said, 20 to 30 yards behind us. I'd right. let him break, and it would be in Canada, because I wanted them birds rounded up and back to me as fast as possible because the next bunch is coming. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to stop and get out and run and do all this here, you know, and then the dog missed. You know, and then you got all these dead bodies out here. You, you follow where I'm at, you know, and sometimes... Sure. If you mm-hmm. knock six down and we got another bunch of geese down, I'd have them bring three of them back, and then I'd make him kennel, you know. So 
this was a reason that, and it's something that a lot of people don't, well, Forrest, you're just a meat hog and you should wait until the next bunch and run your dog and all this here. At the time, this was a business. I was running, you know, I loved to mm-hmm. hunt, but at the time as a business, making videos and sponsors and all this, you want this stuff in and out and get this done. You don't want to miss that next bunch. might be the best bunch of the day, you know, on film. So right. lots yeah. of it wasn't under control. And another thing, my dogs, all the dogs I had and all the years I did this, my dogs never got shot, never even come close to getting shot. Right. This was a pup. This was a pup. Just came from the trainer and ain't hunted in this deal. You know, so that's a different mm-hmm. scenario. Yeah. Well, that's almost like the dog ex- that you don't expect to break that did. It's exactly because this dog was trained not to break. You know, when he got there, so you know, and you got to forget the trainer for the dog who worked at Nilo Farms. And that's why I built that up here. This was not just somebody that side trained dogs last week. This is a guy right. been doing all his life. He's sitting right next to us. So, and now I'm getting to blame for shooting him, but this guy's sitting right here too. You know, he's a trainer. <laughs> so. I don't know. I'm not trying to make light of the situation in any way, you know. Not a, I wish not the dog would grow to a low age would have been a good dog. But <clears throat> well, I, this is the way I it happened. I it, see you know? too many people who, with the dogs, get their ego so wrapped up in it, and they'll say, like, I'll ask somebody that's bringing their dog, is your dog steady? Yes, he's steady. And you get them out in the pit for the first time, and they aren't. You know, or in a blind with a bunch of guns, or, you know, like a new scenario. And a dog that's been that, steady isn't. Yeah. I haven't been in that in situation. My a lead is always in my vest. If I have my dog mm-hmm. in a new situation, I put it on him. Uh, and it's just for folks, check your ego at the door. And if you're in a situation your dog doesn't know or understand, it, it's not a big deal to, to clip the mm-hmm. dog into the blind or pit. And, I, and that's not to talk about your scenario, but it's something I think worth right. getting in while people well, are sitting here grasping the shock of a dog just got shot on a duck hunt. And it can happen well, to anyone. I see a lot of guys who put their dogs in the blind or pit running around in there. That ain't going to happen to me. That's, that's like a bad deal. That, Unless that's a bad that dog deal. is tired of, lead on him, something that they ain't happen. He's coming out of the front, going over the front, knock guns mm-hmm. over, do whatever, come up over your back and everything. There's yeah. a dangerous thing to me in the world. But uh, Yes, I agree. I, I don't agree with any of that. I don't like that. You know, that dog's going to go outside. He's going to be there. And, that, and that's like this flooded corn deal. I, I, I charge him for a reason. I charge him because I didn't want him to bring their dog. We're right. not running a cornfield dog training camp. You're not going to rip. And, and, and then I started charging. If you want to bring your dog, you pay 275 for the dog, just like you pay for your hunter. Well, that stopped right. 90% of them. But there'd still be that guy with that big ego would bring it. And next thing I know, I hear him up there at the other end, up there, you know, he went in another pit, and I hear him whistling, running up and down the levee, running the hunt for two two pits of hunter. And I just go, dude, get your dog in. You know, you, unless you hunt that situation daily, you ain't going to bring that good dog in there in, in that thick. I'm not saying these strip road corn. These strip road mm-hmm. deals down there, all them dogs can do it. You can get the strip road and do it. But when it's solid, it's like your buck brush situation. It you just yeah. it ain't going to happen. They learn that, you know. They they yep. get accustomed to it and learn. They're hunted for sixty days in a row. You know they get it. Yep. So absolutely. Anyway. Absolutely. Anyway. Okay. Now maybe maybe we got the dog thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rocky. It's on you. It's all you know. No, I I think it was important to clear that up because it, yeah. it's another one of those rumors, right? That went around. I'm glad you did. A major part of this story, and I've mm-hmm. had people, hey, you need to ask Jeff about this. Ask yeah, him about I'm, glad you, I'm very glad you did. But, 
And like I said, I'm not making light of the situation, trying to make an excuse. I'm just telling you exactly what happened and why and the whole scenario, you know, how it did happen and how we hunted and all that. And anybody who hunted us know what, you know, knows that that's the way it worked. You know, I could tell you about our dogs and stuff. But anyway, at this hey, point. Jeff, let me ask you this. Before, before we let go of all this, in his immunity, this is, I'm, I'm not trying to create a negative towards him, a negative light. I'm not. I'm not. But in his immunity, what what did he say? Do you remember? What did he say that uh, that brought any charges against you? He His deal was uh, he had admitted to killing 20, I think, don't quote me on the exact fact, but I have something like 27 limits that he had wrote down on other people's names. You know, like his his brothers or his kids or whoever. You know, he wrote them down on somebody else's name. He admitted to doing that, and I knew that, and I was doing the same thing. You know, and that was that was what brought the charges. But then he went on to say, and every newscast he did, or reporter, anything he did, you know, people, of course, of course, you know, if you're a reporter, who are you going to go after to get get? You know, you're going to get the negativity. You know, all you can sure. about the bad about somebody. You're going to go after that. That's just the way the news works. You know, if it was all good news, nobody would listen to it. So, anyway, he would, he would go to them and, oh, yeah, he, you know, once he got big, his ego did this and did, he changed and all that. Well, yeah, when, you know, I'm not saying the ego did, but it's a whole different ball game when you're an iron worker working construction and you're just, guide, you know, guiding on the off, you know, when you're not working, you're guiding during the winter and that's what you're making. It goes a lot different when you're running a major business and filming and all this here. You have to change with the business a little bit. Business is first, and that's and I don't think he liked that. You know, I don't know. You, you know, what, that, but what what did he say besides besides the writing down in the books? You did that. He did that. What else did he say that mm. that attributed it to charges being brought against you? Well, he told. Remember when I went back in Canada, got those charges in Canada. And uh, right. remember when I told you it was that day, and we killed like twenty over, and it was, and he was there, his son was there, and Mark Carey was there, and it was their last day being there, and they're getting ready to fly out, and wanted to kill these birds for him, and all this here. Oh, he, 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 you know, told that whole deal, and got out of all that. All right, let me and ask I guess you this. That, yeah, that and that was that was probably the hardest pills to swallow there. And and, I, and I'm sure that he added to other people's stories of. Two or three other more things that that have been mm -hmm. told to him. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. That did. Oh happen. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, and, and, all right, believe me, those fans will check their memory. <laughs> let's. Would you agree with this? If you would have remained best friends, go back in time, take the dog out of it. Didn't happen. Your best friend. What would he have said then? Yeah. He just told him to go talk to his lawyer. I got to go back to work. That'd been the end of the all story. It, all That's it. All it. Hey, is one motivated person. You know, when you were when you were high fiving in the blind mm -hmm. and you and you arm around his neck squeezing him, man, we warm out today. Mm -hmm. Walking out, find a couple of cripples. Ooh. Best friends, you know what? We're not gonna talk about this five years from now. Yeah. You know what he would you, you know what he is one of his main things he used to say all the time? Let them come write me a ticket. I'll just write them a check. I don't care. I'll just pay for them. I'll write a check. I don't give a shit. Excuse the French, but you know, that's what I'm, just, I'm quoting him. What did he say? All right, let's go back to a real one. Let's go back to a real thing that he said. You know, something that both of you, I don't know this guy, don't, don't mean anything negative mm -hmm. towards him. 
Mm-hmm. But both of you are writing ducks under other people's names. Mm-hmm. Best friends at the time, y'all were laughing and pouring a whiskey drink, laughing about it back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this greatest duck hunt in the world. Five years down the road, it wasn't. You know, mm-hmm. things change. Motivated people talk. And that's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's always best to do the right thing. And that that's not pointed towards you. I'm just saying to the people that's listening. You never know what's going to happen in the well, future. Right. I'll give you a little example. You know, we were good good friends and whatever. So and and man, he and and he was God bless him. He'd buy every gun in the world and he'd try everything he could. But man, he 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 couldn't he couldn't hit a bull. You know, I mean, it was it was pretty tough. He, he wasn't a real good shot. He get he was just too he get too wound up. You know, and I mean, he killed a share of ducks. Don't get me wrong, he killed a share of ducks, but he he struggled. So one day he calls me and he goes, "Hey, I'm gonna bring my brother up and his wife." And his brother's got this dog. He's right in the house all the time. The dog's a pain in the butt, but he wants to bring it. And I'm going to bring up his boy. And we're going to bring it up. And none of them can hit anything. We're going to go up this afternoon. Where would you go? Which pit would you go? I said, go over to Round Hole over there. They're eating it up. I said, they'll be up there. I said, I'll come up. I said, I'll get up there about 3.30 or 4. No, we're going to get up there about 2.30. Try to get up there. I said, Denny, I'm busy. I was at the shop and busy with the call business. And I, and I, so he calls me about quarter to three. Dude, you got to get down here. I ain't can you get down there. There are ducks everywhere. We can't call them. We can't hit them. We don't know. Blah, 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 blah. Dogs, blah, blah. We got all this trouble. I said, Danny, I'll be there as quick as I can. It's going to be four or five minutes so I get out of here. No, you got to come. This kept us up. 15, 20 minutes later, he said, dude, we should have had 50 lemons killed right now. We can't hit nothing. You know, you got to get up here and help us. He's wanting ducks that we can't do, you know. So, all right. So I dropped everything, went down there, went to the clubhouse. Change myself, put my boots on, grab my gun, out I go. I seen the ducks is eating them up, and I come in, I'd see they come in and flare. And I said, you got to do something to that dog. Well, we can't get her in that box. I said, well, then you're going to have to take her to the truck because that dog is not going to sit on the pit, next to the pit or whatever. I did all this work brushing his blind, did all this stuff, and now you just put a coyote on top of the blind. I'm not doing it. I'm not hunting that dog. There's half your problem. Get rid of that dog. So took the dog on a leash, put it down the pit. Gets the dog guy. Brother said, I'll just watch the dog. All right, dog's all right. It's fine. You know, we had a step up, so it was way up. You know, the dog was down the bottom. It hurt not. Down there, you know, it was all tied up, like we talked before. Everything's good. His brother's nervous, reckless dog. He's going to hunt for the dog. And I said, just relax. His brother's a great guy. And he said, just shoot your birds and relax, whatever. So I'm telling you boys right now, you know, they couldn't hit anything. And so we shot and shot and shot and whatever. At the end of the deal, Everybody in the pit had their limit. Not over the limit. We had our limit. And they had two ducks when I got there. You know, so that kind of goes back to, and he was happy with that and whatever. And I think he told that story. I think that was one of the stories on there. And I'm thinking, dude, you called me to come out here, you know. And I'm not saying I'm the best shot in the world. I'm not saying anything like this. Nothing. But at that day, Mickey Mouse could have killed him. You know, it's right in your face. But we ended up going in with the limit. Maybe not individual limits, but we had a pit limit. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Uh, but that was one of the things I think he told them also. You know. But I also think I don't think he just came out with that. I think they said, "Was there ever time he went with you and shot your ducks for you, or would he shoot you?" You know. Boom. 
And I think that's and that's kind of where it all works, you know. Right. They will jog your memory. But uh, no, to get back to what you said at the beginning of this, Rocky, there's not one doubt in my mind. There's there are two things. There's not one doubt in my mind that way back when everything before, you know, at the beginning of this, whatever, best pals, buddies, laughing and joking, and all this right here, he would have he would have flat looked at him and said, "Call my lawyer. Here, I got a lawyer for foils too. He's lawyer. Foils is lawyer too. Talk to him. Don't even talk to us." He would have done that. And I bet you the other thing, if he had to go back in time today. He's that type of guy, you know. He's that type of guy. That I guarantee he would have. He, he wished he would have done that. But anyways, you know, but, um, it, it goes to the major point of every time through these podcasts with Ryan, with Jeff, that yeah, guy that's going hunting with you and y'all are banging away and showing these pile picks, blah blah blah. Yeah, I may not be your best friend five years from now. You better be doing mm-hmm. what's right. Mm-hmm. Better be adhering to the law because man, times can times can change real fast. Well, times can change real fast. And the other thing is, you know, we've talked about this almost every podcast. Everybody's different. You know, we're not all built the same. We can't take heat like one guy can take a little more heat than the other guy rocky you may be able to take more heat than bill or me or vice versa Ain't See, i think you're on the upper like, end of that i think well, you're on the top tier I, it, of that but it, it changes for people at different times of their life and and so so the heat gets put on you you're gonna throw your whole life away for him you think he'd do that for you you know so here's what's going to happen. You're going to prison. You're going to jail. You're going to lose your license forever. You're going to do this. You're paying on your paper, blah, 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 blah. You know, well, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, don't say nothing. You know, but if you're going to do that, that's what's going to happen. You know, so it's a scare tactic. And don't take my word for it. Just any of you people out there that has a police officer, buddy, an investigator, a detective, or anything like that, buddy, ask them. Ask them. They'll tell you the same thing. That's how they, you know, they get they get ninety percent of their cases done. Yeah, you know, I, I keep saying all along, a lot of this stuff. Most people, if if they take a reasonable amount of effort to separate their birds and to tag them if they're leaving them somewhere, or whatever, it's not going to be an issue because you're not going to have a sting operation set up on you. Mm-hmm. For most people, for most average guys who duck hunt eight days a year, but. What's interesting through all this, and it just kind of hit me, you know, I, I would have said like with Ryan and, and with Jeff, they both guided so many people. And, you know, Rocky, you did too, and, and I did back in the day. And we were hunting with different people every day and all. But those weren't the people that got you in trouble. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's the people who really know you who in the end were turned on you. And, and you know, that, it, it, that's one place everybody needs to think about it. I think Bill makes the greatest point in this because what he just said really turned a light bulb on for me. As a guide, as an outfitter, as a celebrity on TV, no matter who you are, the devil is in the details. Mm-hmm. If, you're not de- if you're not being detailed in what you do and correlating that with the federal law every single day, it's got to be a become a part of your process. Never know what's coming down the road. You get rough. 
Yeah, guys, I'll tell you, if any of this ever, God, God forbid, any of this stuff even remotely comes close to happening to you. But if it gets to this point, those guys went to school to know the law that they're trying to write you a ticket for. You didn't. You don't know that law like they do. Oh, I looked it up. They went for years to learn that law inside and out. They know it inside and out. So if they knew you were guilty, they're going to write you a ticket. They're not going to talk to you and ask you questions. If they're asking you questions, it's because they're trying, looking for information. So there's a guy out there, there's people out there, most of you don't like, called lawyers. They study that law to defend you against this or to hold up for you. I guess it's not even to defend you, just to keep your rights. So any lawyer will tell you this, and my suggestion to you, all of it, guilty, not guilty, whatever you are, even not, well, I wasn't guilty, so I talked to them. Well, you know, things can get tangled around, and they know that law better than you. When they talk to you, they ask you, just say, officer, I would love to talk to you. But I don't know the law like this, so I need you really to talk to my lawyer. Have your lawyer take care of it. Believe me, it's a lot cheaper in the long run. You know what I find? You know what I find hilarious is the people that say, "Is this is this area gray?" Yes, there's <laughs> parts of the law that are just a little shady, mm-hmm. and can lead to some interpretation of the guy enforcing the law whether it be a state or a fed, because we know states and feds are different. Mm-hmm. State guys and fed sure. guys. So, But the guys that say, oh, because this is a little gray, my state guy told me this. Yeah, Jeff and Ryan got busted for this. You know, I'm just, I'm not worried about it. That's a guy that, that's, that's hilarious. I, I guy did that on Duck South the other day. I said, I asked him if he's going to go to court with you. That's exactly yeah, what I'm talking about. Well, I didn't. I don't. I try not to watch that. I haven't been watching a whole lot of that on there. I've been paying more attention to what's going to happen to ducks. There's no, there's no corn. Because <laughs> 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 I want to kill something next year. So, and I want you all to kill something. But anyway, uh, just I don't know. Just it's just real simple. Know the law best you can. But you don't know it like them. So if that area comes up and you think, oh, that ain't right, or we really didn't do that, or maybe, well, maybe I did. He knows. No, he don't know all the time. He knows that law. He knows, and, and believe me, if you don't think that part of that going to school to be that game warden ain't part of interrogation, you need to look up what they do. There's a big part of that's interrogating some witnesses. So they, they're good at it. They know what to ask. They know what to do. And I'm not taking nothing away from them. They're doing that. That's part of the, that interrogation is part of their job also. Sure. I'm just telling you guys, at that point, stop. don't think about the dollar sign of the 300 bucks you're going to pay that lawyer just to talk to him. But protect yourself. That's the cheapest 300 you'll ever spend probably. So And, and don't take a state guy's word on federal law as gospel. No. Period. No, it's just two separate, totally separate deals there. You know, and I'll give you a good example. Most of the time, this would flip-flop the opposite. The day they interrogated me at my shop, and the 22 officers come in, and they set me down, and I told you that whole story. When he asked me to give him a scenario of what would happen 
what's going to happen, at, you know, and if, if us three went hunting, just, just have us, I said, okay, us three go hunting, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I said, you shoot this duck this year, and I'd give you your ducks and your ducks and your ducks, you know, and then at the end we put them all on a stringer and you have your own ducks and we tag your own ducks. The Fed asked me why I would do that. I said, well, you can't, you got to have these ducks separated. That's why. And the state guy was the main guy for the state. He goes, yeah, in Illinois, you got to have a state separated. He goes, hmm. He goes, yeah, I didn't, you know, know it was like that everywhere. Swear to God, is what he said. Now, in Canada, that rule may have changed. So don't you guys take this as gospel. The last time I got checked up there, which is the only time I got checked up there, we opened the tailgate to my uh, uh, trailer for the game warden to look in there. And there was 80 ducks laying, 80 ducks laying in one big pile up there. And he goes, all right, man, how many's in there? Like, I said, we'll count them out. No, dude, Stan's a good guy. The guy that owned the deal. He got an order for you. If you guys say you got me, I said, that's about right. I'm good. And left it go. And I thought, we're going to get ripped for this. But Stan had told me before, he kept telling me, yeah, you don't have to do that in Canada. You can just throw them in a pile. Ain't no big deal because I was scared to death because I kept separating behind everybody's flying when I pick, you know, take them from the dogs. And he said, why are you doing that? I said, we got to separate them. He said, you got to separate them up here. So, anyway. So, right. I don't know if that law has changed up there. I, I believe it has changed say. this year. I believe it has changed Wait. this year. I, I know well, they it, did some clarification of their law. Gotcha. Yeah. Because I don't know. Uh, you know, at that time, it wasn't nothing, you know. It wasn't yeah. a problem doing that. But, I, you know. And so, most of the pile pictures you ever seen us with ever was in Canada. You know, so. Right. Right. Well, guys, we're, we are definitely, we went over time today, but I appreciate it. It's been a good podcast okay. episode. All right, man. We'll we will, we up. will get back. Yep. We'll get I back into time. the Senate scene next week because I want to know about the. And listen, that's what I want to talk about next week. The emotions leading up to going to prison. You're human. Okay. Yeah. We, all of us, no matter how robotic or how emotional we can be, all of us have feelings, and man, that's got to be a, it's got to be an eerie it, feeling. It is terrible, so, it's an eerie feeling. I also want to go on, Leo, with it sometime or the next week or the week after, or whatever. And it's just, it's hard for me to do, but I want to do it because all this, you know, the word prison is is a terrible, terrible word. Okay, to hear. I mean, you hear that, it just runs, you know, scares you when you see it, you know. But I don't think it ever sinks in the reality of what it really is, you know. I don't think it is. So I'm going to go into what it was like in there, what you did, how it was, and all this here. Cause, and, and the reason being is I'm not looking for, I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm not looking for anything of this. Not at all. But you guys need to know what the true meaning of pri- federal prison is. So... Sure, we'll go from there. <clears throat> well, guys, thank you again. Enjoyed it. We want to thank all of you that listened to this edition of the End of the Line podcast powered by DuckSouth.com.